Once again, it's the beginning of Lent, much later than usual this year, but I'm thinking, as I do always at the beginning of Lent, about what to give up. And it's common for people to treat the Lenten penance as sort of a New Year's resolutions. And so we give up things that we shouldn't be eating, like sweets or coffee, or we try to be more patient or to spend more time with our family. Those are all good. But I can't help but think that the point of the penance is not to give up things that are bad. Isn't it more of a sacrifice to give up things that are good? We don't give up meat on Fridays because meat is bad. We give it up because for many of us, it's a sacrifice. So instead of giving up sweets or alcohol, shouldn't we be giving up maybe an extra hour of sleep, for example, and then spend that extra hour in prayer and do it in solidarity with those who don't have the luxury to sleep as much as we do? How about this controversial one? Give up receiving the Eucharist until Holy Thursday. Do it in solidarity with all the people in your parish who cannot receive the Eucharist. It would force us to consider how lucky we are to have the Eucharist available to us every day, all the time. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Billy Chan. I'm Emily Callen. Hello, guys. So you're good for giving up the Eucharist? I don't know about that <laughs> one, Pedro. I think I'm going to get that <laughs> comment from a lot of people. My uh, One of my students in catechis, um, uh-huh. uh, she said, can I give up school? Ah, that's <laughs> good. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I give, instead of giving up an extra hour? <laughs> I guess that I would be a good, edu- uh, right? Education is good. Some people can't yeah. receive education. Yeah. They In have solidarity to with the people who are, I like that. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the parents saying, no, kids, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we'd love, actually, I'd be curious to hear what people think. You yeah. know, you can always, uh, about about giving up the Eucharist or giving up, you know, something that's good, an extra hour of sleep or or I don't know, I can't even think of other good things. Um, to um, give up. Yeah, or sleeping on the floor. Oh, giving up like hot water, for example. Like right. taking oh. cold showers. Yeah, taking cold showers. In solidarity with people that, mm-hmm. that don't have hot I've water. I have somebody mm-hmm. giving up uh, using the straw. Oh. Plastic straw. That's good, but that's yeah. actually good. Well, nobody should be using straws anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, See, giving, I, up, I that's giving up something that's <laughs> actually bad. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I had a friend once saying, you know, if, if there's one thing that uh, would be the hardest for you to give up during Lent, to sacrifice, yeah. you should probably pick that one thing. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Like cho- I, chocolate. Like well, mm. yeah, I've done chocolate so many times that I, I, I it's, it's, it's you, I've done it. I would like to see I, you not <laughs> eating chocolate for 30 <laughs> days. Emily loves chocolate. Emily says um, every day. She Wait, eats chocolate, chocolate every day. I probably won't be eating if it as much If you like Emily, Lent, you should not. send her a box of chocolate. This is true. <laughs> Yeah. For Easter, not during Lent. Right, right. You're not giving up chocolate for Lent because that'll last for about three days. And but you know one <laughs> thing I did give up one year that was really hard for me to give up? What is it? It's, it this might is going to make me sound so bad, but um, makeup. Oh. Giving up makeup oh. for women. Because yeah. I think we become really attached, right? And we, we almost we feel really naked sometimes. We don't have yes. makeup and yes. we're like, oh, we think like we don't. That. Look as good or Billy, as polished. You should give up but using I makeup. I will give up. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm I, gonna give up brushing my tough. hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, anyway, yeah. lots of lots of good ideas. People write to mm-hmm. us radio at saltandlighttv.org or you know Facebook, Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. You're Bijo at Bijo Chan. Correct. And you're at Emmy Callan. Callan. Mm-hmm. Um, on the show today, Emily news as 
as always. Yes. Nothing spectacular in the news to, that we need to. Anyway, you'll tell us in about three minutes or so. And then after that, Jillian is going to be back oh. to k- tell us what she learned from her kids since Christmas, probably. And uh, then we have a question. Yeah, question is the, is the simplest and the most basic question for Catholic faith. <laughs> okay, is it a Lenten, like a Lenten it's question? It's a Lenten okay, question, Okay, a Lenten yes. question. Okay, good. So that's <laughs> coming up after uh, um, what I learned from my kids with Jillian. And then, oh, wow, we're running out of time. Um, marriage prep. Oh. How was your marriage prep, Billy? Oh, we have uh, 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 three days. Three retreat. days. Three days. Yeah. Retreat. Once. It's a retreat. Okay, good. I, there's so many, uh. like I, ours was not great, but there's so many different types yeah, yeah, of yeah. marriage there's prep. Yeah, yeah, a lot of different types. Um, uh, do, do you know if your parish, I don't know, Emily, if you're in touch with what's happening in your parish, really. but but do you know if your parish has a, mi- uh, a marriage prep for people that are already married? Oh, like never civilly heard about married this. people? No, okay, no, I don't so think this, so. Well, there you go, because um, there are... But there what are you going to prepare for? You are already Well, to married. receive as a sacrament. No, you you already married. You're married outside of the church, and oh. you're going to be married in the church, so those people still have to do marriage prep oh, because okay, they're preparing okay. for a Catholic marriage. But that's mm-hmm. a good question, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, anyway, yeah. but th- I'm very excited because th- just in the second half hour, we're going to be speaking to Mary Rose and Ryan Verrett, who are the founders of a program that's called Witness to Love. It's actually a marriage prep program, but they have a whole uh, initiative that is to civilly married couples. Wow. Um, so I think that's very important. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of people who He's can't receive important. the Eucharist. Right. Yeah, because yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of them come to Mass and they participate in our parishes, but they're not married in the church. Right. Mm-hmm. And we need to, f- if we can, bring them into communion and, and, and if not, figure out a way so that they of can course, still be part yeah. of the parish. Yeah. Anyway, so that's going to be in about 25 minutes, Witness to Love. And then at the end of the show, we're going to be meeting a new singer-songwriter, Ryan Tremblay. Sounds like he's Canadian, yeah. but he's not. Really? He's actually from Rhode Island. Um, I met Ryan in uh, Krakow at World Youth Day. Mm. Uh, three years ago, and then we reconnected again in Panama. He goes to World Youth Day. And uh, he has a new album. It's called Trust. So why don't we start with a song from that album. Here's Ryan Tremblay with My Three Sons. He's got three kids. (laughs) Triplets, as in. So My Three Sons from his new album, Trust. Triple the joy, triple the tears, Triple the love, triple the fears, triple the fun, triple the thrills, triple the laughter, triple the bills. One, two, three, what's happened to me? We prayed for a child and God gave us three. Three, two, one, yeah, life has begun. Ready or not. sleep day or night those days are memories but it's alright a tiny little voice a precious little smile Lots of work, lots of 
That was Ryan Tremblay with my three sons from his new album, Trust. And we're going to be speaking with Ryan Tremblay in about 30 minutes. But first, Emily is still here yes. with... Uh, we have a, f- a lot of news today. Some, some I- Yeah, yes. definitely, definitely. Um, so, okay. Well, I'll just start with one of the big things that happened this week, which a lot of people have, or at least researchers, I would say, and scholars have been anticipating yes. and waiting for is the opening of the Vatican Secret yes, Archives. The Secret Archive. I mean, okay. The yes. Vatican Secret Archives the have been open. They're open for different reasons. And researchers can have access to them with special permissions but this time it's regarding Pope Pius XII. So I don't know if you know this, but he's kind of a controversial figure. Um, He's the Pope who was Pope between 1939 and 1958. So during World War II and then the post-war period. And and there's a lot of confusion um, with some people. There's been books that have been written about his involvement, his role uh, during the war. So some of these archives relating to him have been open in the past. And, And so, but right now what Pope Francis is saying is that I'm officially opening all of the documentation relating to this papacy and not just during the World War II period, but everything relating to Pope Pius XII. Right. Uh, so this is a really exciting yes. thing. And, and Pope Francis was saying, you know, we'll see what comes out of this. I think, you know, he this is he he's expressing a desire that not only uh, he's had, but also that Benedict XVI and John Paul II yes. has had. So this is something that's been in the making for many, yeah. many and years now. And a lot of people, now. a lot of people outside the church have been asking. And I know that exactly. eventually we're looking towards maybe the possible uh, 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 cause for his canonization. But right. it all depends we'll see. on what, what, yeah, this what, is very what exciting, happens, actually. right? I'm looking forward to yeah. this, uh, to learning more about exactly. this. Exactly. And, and as Pope Francis said, the church is not afraid of history. No, nope, so we're not. We are not. This is this is good news. Um, as usual, at the beginning of every month, Pope Francis releases yes. an intention, uh-huh. um, invites all of the faithful to to join him in this particular intention. And this month, he is praying for persecuted Christian communities. Okay, not the first time no. uh, he's had this intention, and 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 not only for the monthly prayer intention, but he's obviously asked for prayers many many times for persecuted Christians around the world. Um, but here we are again. He's he's again asking for uh, and a, a timely a timely no, prayer intention. No, and it's sad that we right? have to continue praying for persecuted Christians, but I guess we should always be praying for persecuted Christians. Definitely, because the Pope asked. Right. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. But thanks for the reminder, Pope Francis. Thank you, Pope Francis. Uh, of course, I was just mentioning that it is Lent that started. And yep. so, uh, as usual, Pope Francis celebrated Mass um, in Rome. Uh, so, between between two churches, actually, there was a procession um, that led him to the Basilica of St. Sabina on the Aventine Hill. Mm-hmm. And that's where he, he celebrated Mass and presided over the ceremony of the ashes. Yes. Um, and so, he gave a homily and he just, you know, explained again what time what Lent is and that it is a time to rediscover the, re- the direction of our life, he said. Um, he said, what is what is this past? What What is the goal? You know, is it is it health? Is it possessions, well-being, success or power? He says, no, these things all pass. Mm-hmm. The real direction, the real goal of our life is to be with the Lord. Um, and so uh, and so we start that journey in this world. And so he's saying the three important steps of Lent when we talk about uh, prayer, almsgiving and fasting, he says prayer reunites us to God. Uh, charity or almsgiving uh, unites us to our neighbor and fasting uh, creates unity within yes. ourselves. Beautiful. 
Um, yes. So that was his message for the beginning of uh, Lent this week. There you go. Thank you, Pope Francis. There Again. was also an announcement that was made for the theme of the next World Day of Migrants and Refugees. Now, this is still a long time away because it's only marked in September, yeah. September 29th, 2019. Right. But I think it's because, I mean, the Vatican always announces these, steam, these themes way ahead of time so that people can start preparing for them. Right. And they are also planning a some kind of social media campaign. Now, this okay. is sponsored by the Vatican Department for Promoting Human Development. Um, and the theme this year is going to be, it's not just about migrants. <laughs> okay. I, I, I found that a little bit odd for, yeah, a, yeah. A, for a theme, but essentially what they're saying is that we're all involved in this. Um, everyone is called to respond to those uh-huh. who are displaced or trafficked right. uh, in the world. So it's not just about migrants. So it's not just them that are concerned, but really no, the whole world is concerned with migrants and refugees. Now, final little piece of news. Yes. Um, Cardinal Barbarin, uh, who is the Archbishop of Lyon in France, um, yes. he's been going through a very long trial yes. process because he was accused of covering, covering up, up. Uh, sex yep. abuse in his diocese. This week, uh, he was um, found guilty mm-hmm. of not denouncing these cases of abuse against minors, and so he is resigning, uh, and uh, and he pre- he's presenting his his resignation. his resignation to Pope Francis. Yes, so I'm sure we'll hear more about that Definitely. also next week. Mm-hmm. Wow, thank you, yes. Emily. Lots of we news. got through it all. Yeah, we did, actually. <laughs> Thank you very much. We'll You're welcome. put more details of those stories on our website. Emily Callan, our Salt and Light Hour news producer. You can follow her at Emmy Callan. Hey guys, this is TJ Anderson, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Petro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview again, go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. All our programs are archived there. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back. Thank you so much for happy, having me happy again. New Ye- I guess it's Happy New Year, but we're in Lent already, so yeah. uh, it's uh, been... Uh, My time with you really um, highlights the liturgical calendar. Yes, it's at. good, the seasons. Yeah. Seasons. So last time we heard from you, you had learned something Christmassy or Adventy yeah. from your kids. and Now let's learn something Lenty. Some, is it something Lenty? Um, I think it's something uh, ordinary timey. Okay. But you could apply it to Lent if you so choose. Yes, yeah, it's a, it's an all-year-round lesson. Okay, tell us. What have you learned? Okay, so um, <clears throat> I tend to have different phrases that I I will fixate on, <laughs> I guess uh, is what my kids would probably say. I think it's called and nagging. The, yeah, maybe. <laughs> the current one is, it's always worth a conversation. And <laughs> okay. the reason that this one came to my mind, um, I probably heard it somewhere else, I'm quite sure I have never had an original thought in my head <laughs> the entire time I've been parenting. However... Uh, the uh, it's always worth a conversation came up um, when I just <laughs> really got sick and tired of hearing them whining, complaining, fighting, right. throwing, moaning, any of those, um, and so I just try. I myself am prone to respond with the same when they are behaving that way. If somebody's yelling, yes. I tend to yell back. When yes. somebody's moaning, I will moan too. Um, so really, it was encouragement for me. It's always worth a conversation. Just talk it through. Let's remain calm. Let's yes. just keep talking. Um, and just reminding the kids, too, like, if 
did you accomplish anything through moaning? Do you feel good when you lie down on the floor in temper tantrum? Is, are you happy when you're yelling at your sister? Did that do anything? No? Yes. Okay, well then let's try talking about it. It's worth a conversation. Um, to the point where now when I start saying it's always worth, they'll start, they'll finish for me, a conversation. <laughs> but it's true. It is very true. Things are um, better accomplished and the house is much more peaceful when we're just talking and there's not that yelling and there's not the fit throwing. Um, it was just, I mean, it just got to be too much. Lately. Yes. And, um, I, and I can see the Lenten connection because how often does Jillian moan and groan and throw temper tantrums <laughs> at God? Too many times. <laughs> Actually, with God in me, it's not even that it's a lot of temper tantruming. It's just that I haven't really established a solid prayer time since Leo has been born. So that's four months now mm -hmm. where it's just kind of been, I haven't had any um, consistency to sitting down and praying or reading scripture or journaling yeah. or any of those things. Yeah. Um, and so I remind myself too, it's always worth a conversation. And so it's more like we're conversing throughout the day, um, whether that's a good, uh, a good thing is happening or a negative thing is happening. Like, yeah. uh, Lord Jesus, please help me. Or, um, you know, something good is going on. Thank you, Jesus. Just keeping that conversation yeah. flowing and even voicing questions. And and that's the thing the kids will hear too, is that I mutter those things out loud a lot of the time. And so they're like, who are you talking to? Mommy's going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have um, one night with the boys, I was going through their devotional and it was, we were just talking about that idea of, um, you can always talk to God and ask for help. Um, you can turn that sigh or that frustration into a question or asking God for help. Excuse me, and Henry said, like when you say, Jesus, would you please help me? <laughs> like, um, yes, like that. So <laughs> it's always worth a conversation. I Just love keep it, it going, um, whether yes. it's with your kids so that you're not throwing a temper tantrum or whether it's with God so that you can just you know, keep that prayer going. Um, I mean, it's obviously not formal or maybe even very good, but as long as you're, he's always there, he's always on the line, you're always having a, a conversation, you're always talking, yeah. and I don't think you can go wrong, really. Yeah, no, that's very good advice, and you're right, it's advice for the whole year round, ordinary time, extraordinary time, but yeah. it is a good, <laughs> Lent is probably a good time to refocus our prayer time, our conversation time with with God. Mm -hmm. um, and I love this idea of the, the, the always praying, always conversing, always talking, yeah. even yeah. if people are going to think you're crazy because you're talking out loud. Maybe yeah. not out and loud. A stay-at-home mom who is by yes. herself. I mean, she's got kids around yes. her all the time, but there's not a lot of conversation. Yes. Um, it's nice to know, see, just even imagine that we are talking, that God is Yes, always little, listening yeah, and, always and always responding. Yeah. Yeah, really for sure. Beautiful. All right, very good. Good Lenten uh, advice from uh, Julian's kids. <laughs> no whining or groaning or moaning. Thank yeah, you, Julian. Yes, uh, we'll, I think we'll probably get to speak uh, before Easter. But uh, hope okay. you have a good Lenten, yeah. good Lenten practice. Yes, you too. Julian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program "Mothering Full of Grace," the writer of "A Woman's Voice," and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Hi, I'm Rebecca Rubion, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You want to contact us? Email radio at saltandlighttv.org, or you can look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, also Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM, or send a direct voice message right off our webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. 
And now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. Billy has a very difficult question about he is, Lent. He is a very difficult, but it's a very simple question uh, because it's simple uh, and it's very essential for our faith. Okay, why Jesus die? <laughs> why? Why, why did Jesus, Jesus die? die? And 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 no no no. My my full question should be, why did Jesus die? And we explain this as he saved us. Oh, okay. 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 Well, okay. Let me let me try this. So, why did so the consequence of sin? Okay. Is death. Oh, okay. okay. Not okay. not okay. mortal death, but yeah. eternal death. Okay. Okay. So, and that is a consequence that God, in His perfect, in His perfect justice, cannot change. Okay. Okay, so justice has to be served. Sin has to be atoned by death. So somebody has to pay for that sin. Okay, so basically if so I go- sin, I need to die anyway. Yes, but, but <laughs> God, because he's not just perfectly just, but yeah. he's also perfectly merciful, mm. he takes our place. Okay. So somebody has to die because an offense has been committed. God says, in order for you Billy to not die I'm going to die in your place so that justice is served and mercy is served at the same time it's the story of the lion the witch and the wardrobe for people that have watched the chronicles of Narnia read that book that is a perfect explanation of how the lion Aslan takes Edmund's place and he dies but then he's able to die and in dying he destroys death so that you and me don't have to die ever so in order to destroy death, Christ has to die. But this and to save us. But from this death. process not being like, you know, destroyed death, this kind of process, uh-huh. would that apply to people who bef- who is who are before Everything, Jesus Christ? Yes. Everything. So there's no the, time. Jesus' sacrifice boundary. on the cross uh, redeems anyone that has ever existed and anyone that it will ever exist. So it's not bounded by time. Not That's what you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Which is why, to go to your question last week, all the people in the Old Testament yeah, have yeah. been redeemed and we exactly. can say that they are saints there in heaven. Yeah, you know, the, the answer you gave is, is good. But, Thank you. But, okay, when I say <laughs> but, that means it's not, okay? okay. But yeah. um, it, it brings a lot more questions. Yeah, like, for example, uh, uh, Jesus died is because of a lot of different incidents. For example, the be- uh, betrayal of Judas, yeah, yes, uh, yes. the gossiping of people, yes. and uh, a lot, yeah, a lot Pilate of different not things. taking a responsibility. Yes, yeah. a lot, yes. But Jesus, or God, took this kind of incident as the main cause or main incident for to redeem our sin yeah, yeah. this is really i mean it's you can say it's a mystery i really i do yeah not, i really do not like this word because when you say something is mystery that means you have nothing to explain no <laughs> no i'd say that it's a mystery in that it can be explained in part okay it cannot be fully understood although i mean circum god works everything in our lives through circumstances uh-huh right so but i think the the outcome is that jesus had to die 
So whether he got hit by a truck or died okay. of cancer, he would have had to die. Now, I think that the way he died, okay. at the time he died, okay. you know, the, the Jewish, the, the people of Israel and the Romans and crucifixion, like all that is symbolic so as well, right? Okay, okay. The fact okay. that one man has to die to save a whole people and that he was betrayed, like all those things have s- symbolic, theological symbolism. Uh-huh. So I don't think it's random that that's how it happened. Okay, but okay. I, but God works everything through circumstances and it's probably not anything is random nothing is random mm. does that you have more questions so we <laughs> have to come back next week right it's not an easy question but it's a no it's not it's an essential question for Catholic and, and for our faith and it's a good question as we enter this season of Lent so exactly. uh, maybe we can continue having this conversation and again if people have uh, comments as to you know why did Jesus have to die why did he have to die in that in that uh, in that way you should write to us uh, Billy Chan, seasoned radio host and the webmaster at Salt and Light TV. You can follow him and ask him all the questions you want <laughs> at B. Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, a new ministry to civilly married couples in the church. And we meet singer-songwriter Ryan Tremblay, so stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I don't have to tell you how badly we need good marriage preparation programs. There are proponents, including Pope Francis, of what they call a marriage catechumenate. Just as we prepare people to become Catholics through RCIA, we should be preparing couples for marriage. There are others who are proponents of mentorship as part of the process. Needless to say, there are many approaches and many programs out there. Witness to Love is one of them which offers parishes the tools to transform existing marriage prep programs. In particular, and this is new, they have a civil marriage initiative. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by Ryan and Mary Rose Verrett, founders of the Witness to Love program. Mary Rose, Ryan, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Deacon. So you found you're married <laughs> to each other you founded <laughs> yeah. witness to love uh why where did this come from it, it came from seeing a need in our own community of couples who would basically go through the entire marriage preparation process without ever actually setting foot in a church except for oh, the rehearsal wow. and they, they would go to a conference that was mandated uh courses that were mandated they would do a questionnaire um, they would meet with mentor couples that were assigned to them. They they were able to go through the whole process, and when they would meet with father or deacon, it was in the, the church office. So yeah. all the marriage preparation took place in an office or in the home of okay. someone they did not know or in a conference, and we knew they weren't going to find a home, and we could see they were getting divorced, and they were not coming to church after the wedding day, and we knew something had to change. So that it was really born from that. That's really interesting. Sorry to interrupt, but that you saw a, a direct connection to the marriage breakup from the fact that they were not, I guess, involved in the parish? Is that the connection, that they had mm-hmm. never set foot inside the church? Correct. They, you know, they If they weren't in the habit of going to church before the wedding, yes. if they didn't feel welcome, yeah. uh, then it's really hard to, you know, when life starts and you have kids and, you know, changing jobs and moving to a new community to say, oh, let me go find a church. <laughs> they just right. didn't do it. And they, they needed that community. And, and they were trying to live out their sacramental marriages 
on a starvation diet without confession, without the Eucharist, without community. And it's just not, it's it's very difficult. Right. So what makes Witness to Love different than other marriage prep programs? I would say the the, kind of the key component, the key ingredient is this sort of this fact that human beings grow first and foremost within relationships. Uh And we know that relationships... Uh, in God, you know, also required us relationships to be a part of the church and the parish. And Witness Love is so focused on relationships being the the, the essential primary platform for catechesis uh-huh. to also uh, sort of do its work. So how does, but how does it work then? Well, the, the key ingredient we found was that young people uh, don't trust really the church or authority or experts. Mm-hmm. They trust uh, sort of Google and Siri, <laughs> yeah. but they don't necessarily trust experts that they don't know, especially if those experts also represent the church. It's just um, it's, it's just a fact. And so mm-hmm. what we found was that they all had someone whose marriage they admired, someone they looked up to, someone they were attracted to, and they trusted. And so that key ingredient was missing from the original marriage prep process where you know, couples didn't know the mentor or the, the presenter. They didn't trust them and they weren't attracted to them necessarily. Mm-hmm. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, you can't create that, fabricate that. But we were trying to do that. Right. And when you bring someone or when the engaged couple or civilly married couple bring someone into a process where they already trust someone, they, they have a relationship, a friendship, and we're building on that, and it's a focus on both couples. And so we had engaged couples choose their mentor, bring them to the church, and the church's gift to them was to form this married couple to walk with them. They weren't trained. They were coached. They weren't experts. They were accompanying couples uh, that would just walk with them and grow together. And that changed everything. It was a bridge into the life of the community of the parish. Church attendance went from 10% to 70 and eventually 90%. Uh, it, it just, wow. it, you know, when you're on vacation and you go to a church where you don't know anyone, you don't necessarily feel at home. It, it no. takes some serious, you know, yeah. uh, commitment to do that. How, and, and we, sorry, how important is it that the mentor couple is a couple that's participating in the parish, or they don't even have to? Are, cause you're, they have to. Yeah, so it's, okay. it's one of the qualifications. They, the mentor couple has to be married five years or more, be active in the church and have a marriage the engaged couple looks up to. Those right. are the qualifications. Okay. Yes. Grace builds on nature and we can work with that. Okay. So so that seems so then the fact the mentor couple and the fact that the engaged couple chooses their own mentor couple seems to be the difference. That's the key. That's and they also they also grow in virtue together. So they're not mm-hmm. just kind of going through life skills and finances and conflict resolution. They're actually talking about, you know, patience and kindness yes. and friendship and honesty. Yeah. And, and it's just that's where the focus needs to be as right. opposed to just yeah. sort of practical information. So in that sense, it is also like the catechumen in that every yes. catechumen has a sponsor that walks or accompanies that person as they uh, join the church. Very much like an early church model, for sure, yeah. of marriage formation. Yeah. Um, I'm very interested in the fact that you have this other program, I guess it's part of the same program, but is 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 tailored to couples that are civilly married, but not married in the church. Like in my in our archdiocese, we have the, the mar- what we call the marriage course, and then we have the remarriage course, which is kind of a misnomer, but but I think people get it. Is it, it what is the difference then? Um, 
I guess not what is the difference, but what is what, why did you feel that there was a need to extend it to these couples? Well, we surveyed a lot of our parishes that we already worked with, and they many of them were using the original Witness to Love very successfully with civilly married couples. And they said, look, these couples, when they go through Witness to Love and they choose a mentor and they, they become sort of grafted into the life of the parish in a way that they hadn't been before, they said, you know, these couples were originally sort of living on the fringes of the parish and not getting involved, but, but when they mm-hmm. chose mentors and got involved in the parish— everything changed and they really became the the evangelists in the parish because they could articulate like no one else the difference between being married without the grace of the sacrament and being married with the grace of the sacrament right so they became a key evangelist in the community and they could they could do something no one else could do but the parish has also told us look these couples said the language needs to speak to them where they're at, you know, yeah. the, the healing that they have, that they have children, you know, just mm-hmm. it needs to speak to them, and the process needs to be a little different. And so we we listened to that, and we developed a, really a new version of what we had specifically for them. Right. Um, what about couples who who think or who really cannot actually get married in the church? Um, are, are they able to participate in, in, in this program or some sort of version of this program? Well, it depends on the couple. So many times when a, when a couple will say they cannot get married sacramentally, what they mean 90-plus uh, percent of the time, they mean that they haven't pursued an annulment or mm-hmm. they started but they didn't finish. Mm-hmm. There, There is a, I would say, a smaller percentage of couples who, you know, perhaps, you know, given their life situation at this point, they cannot get married in the Church. Um, but, you know, the Church also does need to find a way to walk with them and work with them. And so, you know, while they can't be prepared for sacramental marriage, uh, they can be accompanied. They could have, you know, mentors to support them and lean on them and, and help them to make choices uh, sort of in their in their family life and in their community life with the church where they can still be, you know, an integral part of the parish. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's, that's an important part of accompanying, you know, really all Christians and all Catholics. Uh, yeah. You know, that's, that's very important. Yeah, and I think that, that that's even a broader uh, maybe good advice that we all in our Christian walk need that accompaniment. Um, so if a parish wants to get started with this program, how does that work? If they can go to our website. Uh, that's one of the fir- first areas, would be, mm-hmm. which is witness2love.org. And uh, we've been blessed with uh, a great uh, two staff members that help us primarily with English-speaking parishes and, and Spanish-speaking right. parishes uh, to uh, to kind of support and discern at this catechumenate, a mentor-based model of marriage formation. Mm-hmm. It would be helpful to them, and they can on there on the website and through the assistance of our of our team here, they can order um, a, a free review set of materials. You just have to pay for the postage, and okay. that gives them sort of access to the content, and and they receive the the you know the workbooks in the mail. Uh, and then we just sort of walk with them and discern with them if this is sort of the right fit for them. Um, but um, that would be the, the first place to start, witness2love.org. Okay, perfect. So hopefully somebody's listening and somebody's thinking that this is going to work in their parish, this is what they need, um, and they're going to go to the website and uh, take it from there. Thank you, uh, Mary Rose and Ryan, for sharing a little bit because we could have spent more time talking about this, but a little <laughs> bit of what you do. Um, it's such an important ministry and... Uh, um, lots of good hope that you're offering uh, all these couples. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. God bless. Ryan and Mary Rose Verrett are the 
founders of the Witness to Love Marriage Prep Program. You can learn all about it, as Ryan said, at their website, witnesstolove.org. If you want to go straight to the Civil Marriage Initiative, it's witnesstolove.org slash civil marriage. Here is our featured artist of the week, Ryan Tremblay with Until We Meet Again from his new album, Trust. Yesterday, still I wish that you were here. I wish it every day. I didn't know where life would lead, I didn't know that you would go. so much I could see But now I really know You were there for me in the darkness You were there for me in the storm You were there to bring me comfort When I couldn't carry on more than my love You were my friend And I'll be I didn't always treat you right We didn't always get along In those times that we lost sight Yeah. 
Ryan Tremblay with Until We Meet Again from his new album, Trust. I met Ryan Tremblay three years ago at World Youth Day Krakow. We lost touch, but then reconnected again at World Youth Day in Panama. Ryan um, got married in 2014, and since then, he became a father, he lost his sister to cancer, and published his first album. So there's lots to talk about, and I'm so very happy to welcome Ryan Tremblay to our program. Ryan, welcome to the Sultan Light Hour. Thanks so much for having me, Deacon Pedro. It's good to have you, and it was so good to, to spend a little bit of time anyway in Panama. Um, I know we were, we were just before we started recording, we were talking about how, you much, how much you miss Panama, and I think it's because you miss the warm weather, right? <laughs> That's right. That's certainly a part of it, a big part of it. Um, I want to ask you about about growing up and about your music and stuff, but maybe maybe just because we're on the on the World Youth Day topic, um, was Krakow your first World Youth Day? It was, yes. So what made you? Because I think now you're on like on the on the World Youth Day uh, uh, bandwagon that, that it's like you 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 caught the bug. So what yes. what made you want to go to Krakow? And I guess based on that experience, you then wanted to go to Panama. And I know you're looking forward to Portugal in 2022. So what was that initial pull to go to Krakow? Absolutely. You know, someone had recommended that I put in for it and and, and apply to be a to be a performer, uh, specifically at the youth festival. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, you know, that sounds like a great idea. I said uh, Poland would would certainly be my first World Youth Day, but let's take a, a crack at it. And, uh, and 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 I did, and, and sure enough, I was selected, and it was really a, a dream come true, uh, yeah. especially because I was able to perform uh, in Vadovica, uh, yes. St. John Paul II's hometown, yes. which I believe the audience that day was about 2,500 to 3,000 people yeah. strong, and uh, it was an outdoor stage, it was a beautiful evening, and, and, and it was just... It was one of those sort of pinch me moments uh, yeah. as an artist, certainly, especially that being my first World Youth Day experience. And uh, so, so no doubt, when when uh, the process uh, came up again uh, for Panama in 2019, I said, "Let's do it. Let's 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 uh, let this let's uh, make this dream a reality uh, a second time." Hopefully, and, and sure enough, I was selected again. So, so yes, I'm looking forward to yeah, Portugal. Wonderful, Portugal as well. Wonderful. Great. Now, you're you're in Rhode Island. Did you grow up in Rhode Island? I did. Yep. And and was uh, was it like a musical family? Yeah. So my dad actually happens to be a guitarist and a vocalist. Oh yeah. And drums were actually his first instrument, which is very similar to my. It's story. your I, yeah. You're a drummer. Yes, yeah, uh, my my folks actually uh, uh, bought me a drum set, or Santa brought me uh, <laughs> my first drum set for Christmas at the age of two, and uh, I, I love drums so much that that was actually my major in college. I, I majored in drum okay. set uh, performance, uh, jazz studies oh, wow. at Rhode Island College in Providence, and uh, it was a great, great education that I received there, but 
around that time, I felt the pull to actually become a, a singer-songwriter, and, and so I picked up one of my dad's acoustic guitars and, and began began uh, down down that road, uh, and it's been great. This is what wow. I'm doing full-time now, and uh, and uh, uh, yeah. so I, I, I love it, Deacon Pedro. It's, when, been, uh, it's been wonderful. Yeah, when did you start writing music or writing songs? So, I, I dabbled in it as a teenager. Yeah. I should say I picked up my dad's acoustic about at the age of thirteen. Okay. When I was when I was in college, um, that's when I picked it up, sort of with a more serious focus on yeah. on singing and songwriting. And and um, and it was tw- when I was twenty one. That's when I really uh, sort of uh, put together the collection of songs that's on my first album called My Life with You. Okay. And uh, w- was it? Were you always? Catholic? Were you always in the faith? Was it a, a, a faithful family? It was. I, I was a cradle Catholic, um, and honestly, the most, uh, in, uh, the coolest part about being uh, uh, at St. John and Paul Church in Coventry, where I was from, uh, where I was originally, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, born and born and raised, um, was that they had a Christian rock band called Servants and Saints, uh-huh. and I joined that band when I was in middle school. So. For me, the, the faith really came alive when I when I joined that band and, and could actually, you know, be uh, in the sanctuary and, and performing uh, or not performing, but you know, offering offering the, my gifts, my musical gifts during mass. And then we also too did performances outside of mass, so uh, at, at surrounding churches and, and and different things like that. So uh, it was it was a great experience for me. Um, and then. Uh, Around college time, I, I sort of found myself uh, drifting away a little bit, kind of yeah. wanting to maybe um, find out truly, you know, who I was beyond certainly being a member of that that Christian Christian rock group. And uh, it, it was it was in college that I really started to ask myself, um, you know, the important the important questions: Who am I? You know, what am mm. I here for? Um, I took a philosophy course in uh, in college which confused me uh even right <laughs> even yeah. More yeah as 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 to you know who who i am and what i'm doing here you know and so i actually was was very pleased to to, to read rome sweet home uh-huh. by uh yeah dr uh scott and, and uh, han and, yeah. and his wife kimberly and that uh that that book really really helped me to see the value of my catholic faith or the catholic faith with beyond just being a part of a rock group yeah. you know or, or beyond beyond the music it really helped me to dive into the sacramental life of the church and 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 it was really cool because i didn't have to uh, sort of sacrifice my uh, musical interests uh, at that time if anything i now had a whole new subject to, to write about and that right. was my personal relationship yeah. with Jesus and, 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 and falling in love with the church so there's there's songs on the first album called uh, Who Am I Without You yeah. I'm Coming Back to You Something Was Missing huh. and and it's all about sort of that that initial turning back you know that 180 um, because uh, I was I was a typical I was a typical uh, uh, teenager I would say where you, you more or less think of the sacrament of, as com- of confirmation as like a graduation yeah 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 and then you're done yeah <laughs> yes 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 so so it was it was great you know that's uh, and my parents are thrilled now too of course that uh, yeah <laughs> that I'm that I'm happily uh, involved in the church and, and very busy in music yeah. ministry now now Ryan um, 
a few years ago, your sister Erica died of cancer, and uh, I can't help but think that your this new album with the title yes. Trust, you know, that it was very much influenced by that experience with your sister. Absolutely. So, and I I, I appreciate you bringing this up, Deacon Pedro. She um she she was diagnosed with stage four inflammatory breast cancer back in December of 2014. Mm-hmm. It was actually just a few months after my wife and I yeah. were married. And um, my sister happened to be uh, 14 weeks pregnant at the time that she was diagnosed. Yeah. And she ultimately had to make a choice whether or not to keep the pregnancy because doctors posed this, yeah. this sort of scenario to her that uh, if you keep your pregnancy, your chances of survival are going to decrease. But if you... Uh, abort your 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 mm-hmm. baby, then your chances of survival are going to increase. So you yeah. know what will it be? And uh, she actually she actually contacted Abby Johnson, yeah. and I know Abby has the new movie uh, Unplanned yeah. that just came out, which is which is awesome. Yeah, we're, she's going to be on this program in the, in a few weeks, actually. Oh oh, beautiful yeah. beautiful. So so Abby's a dear friend now of of the family, which is great. She's awesome. I'm excited that she's going to be on your show, Deacon uh, Pedro, and um basically Abby and Erica had a heartfelt conversation and um and and Erica heroically decided to to keep her pregnancy and on April 29th 2015 Erica mm-hmm. gave birth to our beautiful niece Ella Gianna Shea who's Gianna. now 3 years old and yes. doing well and it was just 2 months after in June uh on June 23rd 2015 that Erica passed away mm-hmm. so um certainly she demonstrated trust Mm-hmm. She demonstrated faith. Um, she actually encouraged many of uh, my family members to thank God for the cancer, for the diagnosis, because it encouraged her to live in a way that she hadn't been living before. In other words, wow. every moment became a gift. Every moment became a blessing. Not not that it was easy. I mean, there were moments of extreme pain mm-hmm. uh, during those six months that she endured this uh, cancer in this fight, but um, certainly her eyes were opened in in a new way. And, and 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 if you were pointing towards her, she was always good about pointing pointing you know the uh, the uh, 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 to the true to the true foundation for her for her joy and happiness. She was she was pointing always right back mm. to God. And and yeah. um, so certainly yeah, yeah, she always wanted to go, go on tour with me. Huh. And 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 I thought okay well. If there's one way I can bring my sister on tour with me, it's you know to to put out a collection of songs right. um, dedicated to her yes. and, and to share her story everywhere I go. And so, and that's um, this trust, album, yeah. Yes, yes. So trust is trust is on there. Trust is on the album. Then I also have a song uh, that's really special to me that I wrote for her. It's called "Until We Meet Again." Yeah, we. That's the song we heard just before the interview. "Until We Meet Again," that um, written about Erica, your sister. And uh, what, oh, a, what a what a beautiful lesson, dif- difficult but beautiful lesson on trust, Ryan. Um, that's all the time we have. We have to leave it there. But it was so good to speak to you. I I wish we had more time because there's you have so many good stories. <laughs> um, we'll just have oh, to bring okay. you back on the show. Um, but thank you for this album. I I love the song. I love trust, which is the song that I'm hoping we're gonna end the program with. Um, and uh, awesome. thank you for thank what you're you. doing. And uh, stay in touch. Will do. Thank you very much, Deacon Pedro. 
You can learn more about Ryan Tremblay, his music, and how to bring him to your event at his website, ryantremblaymusic.com. Here now is Ryan Tremblay with the title track of his new album, Trust. Since I put my trust in Jesus, since I put my trust in him, he's reached right out to rescue me from the shame I've been living in. Since I put my trust in Jesus, and my soul is his to keep, he's turned my world upside down, waking me from my sleep. Well, he gave me patience and showed so graciously that I can feel alive. I'll take that love with faith from above and leave my fears behind. Cause I put trust in him. I put trust in him. I put trust in him Since I put my trust in Jesus My life still goes up and down The difference is I was feeling lost Feeling found since I put my trust in Jesus, I believe in something new. I feel the power in my life, I can see His love in you. Well, He gave me patience and showed so graciously that I can feel alive. I'll take that love with faith from above. listening to Ryan Tremblay with Trust from his debut album of the same name. And that will bring us to the end of the program this week. Remember that if you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can also download the Salt and Light Hour podcast off Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. But it's best to listen or download at saltandlighttv.org. You can contact us via email radio at saltandlighttv.org 
or use Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Salt and Light TV. And you can follow me on Twitter at Emmy Callen and Billy is at Bijo Chan. I'm at Deacon Pedro GM. We have all new programs coming up all through Lent. In the next couple of weeks, we'll be joined by liturgical composer Carrie Landry and also Abby Johnson about her book and movie Unplanned. Also, Catholic speaker Patrick Sullivan. They're all going to be on the Salt and Light Hour in the next couple of weeks, so you don't want to miss any of our next programs. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the, the Salt, Salt and Light Hour. Hour. Trust in Him.